Hi everyone, it's Carter. A quick disclaimer before the episode. Riley and I are teachers in the real world. That's not made up for the show. But one thing we do make up are students. Riley and I take our roles as public community members seriously and would never use the real names or personal experiences of students in our classes, past or present. As such, any student names you hear us say are made up on the spot, and stories about our classes are highly editorialized for entertainment. Also, we like to keep our show clean of inappropriate language or content, but we feel that the stories themselves should be read without censorship of language. A content warning will be in the show's description in case we need one. That's it. Enjoy the Fable Fellas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fable Fellas Fairy Tales Told Unfairly. I'm Riley. And I'm Carter. And I'm JD. I'm guesting today. Hey, we got JD in the studio. Hello. I'm so happy you just jumped straight on in there. That's that's really that that bodes well for the type of energy we attempt to bring to this podcast, which is just interrupting a story with constant <laughs> constant jokes. Well, Carter, this man was a comments. literal disc jockey back in our western days. No one knows it better than him. Oh, I had a 1 1 a.m. metal radio show at Western Washington University, so... And to uh, my knowledge, I tuned in every single time, regardless of how much I needed sleep the next day. Which I did appreciate, especially (laughs) for the one that I um, definitely was intoxicated for while DJing. Oh, I don't think I ever caught that one. No, because I'm a professional. (laughs) Do you get the numbers on... On on how many listeners you get on a radio, I've always wondered how that worked. Like how people can tell you can't how many people are listening. That's the problem, and why radio advertising is having kind of an issue right now is because, I mean, sorry to go off on a, a uh, industry tangent. No, but... please do. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, with radio, there really is no way to see how many people are listening because radio is just such an old technology that you can't be like, okay, this signal was received by X receivers because radio receivers can be as simple as those little free things they gave away um, when you sold like two things at the uh, kids fundraiser um, where like, yo, you sold three things. Here's this little portable radio that you could tell probably had the um, uh, amount of mechanics in it that cost about three cents to manufacture. You know, each one of those can't really send a signal back that it's receiving a radio signal. And so you just kind of hope, which means nowadays when you're advertising um, and you're trying to say, hey, don't you want to advertise on a radio show as opposed to a podcast? Advertising on podcasts is a good investment of revenue. Um, Subliminal message Um, (laughs) is that with radio, you can't really tell where your money's going. You just kind of hope. So, J.D., what you're telling us is that we have no way to know how lucrative the 1877 Cars for Kids commercial is, despite all the psychic damage it's done to people over the years. Well, they do, because they can tell how many people have called 1877 Cars for Kids. Oh, okay, fair. I'm pretty sure the Eldritch Entity that sponsors that commercial does have some sort of analytics on how much psychic damage it's done, but I do know that's a different KPI than the average campaign, so... Right. My TikTok feed has been delivering me uh, the the sort of video podcast where it's two people in a room and one of them's very stupid and the other one makes fun of the other person for being very stupid. Do you know these types of podcasts? Yeah, you know, that's that's pretty that's pretty typical. That's it's every a, iteration yeah. of the podcast. 
I'm feeling a little bit like the stupid guy right now because I'm having this revelation that no, like since the dawn of radio, they've never been able. There's not like a dial that tells them how many people are tuned in. Well, yeah, I mean, before it was word of mouth, you know. And they must have sent like surveys in the newspaper, right? Like, what's your do you? How often do you listen to the radio? What radio station do you listen to? That's how they probably figured that out, right? There. Have you heard of Nielsen ratings? Uh, So Nielsen. Nielsen ratings is that's how it started is that's when you say oh we got to get those ratings up the Nielsen ratings right. was it is um, I mean backed by the the science of statistics is they would do a sample survey of people in major markets ask them what they were watching how long they were watching it stuff like that and they did that for both TV and radio to see where the money was going but nowadays getting people to answer the phone and take a survey is really hard or you could try and get them to sign up to be a Nielsen like reporter but then you have to have like a box on your TV and then you got to fill up a bunch of surveys and most people aren't willing to do it. So Google ads is kind of where a lot of money's going. If you want to know pretty sure mostly where your money's going. Okay. Two things. Carter one. I don't know how to feel about you saying that you feel like you're the dumb one on the show because on previous <laughs> listens, there have been times on the show where I've either, one, used the wrong word when I meant a different word, or number two, used a word that didn't exist. <laughs> and those are totally uh, those are totally valid things that can come up in real life. I'm telling you right now that I pictured people in a DJ booth and there was some sort of like old school speedometer dial <laughs> that would increase with the amount of people that had tuned into the program. That would be so cool. I would. That would be so cool. I, for my entire life, I pictured that that was what was going on. And the second... JD, our dear friend who has joined us on the podcast today, we'd like to hit you with a couple of questions that uh, normally just get bounced back and forth between Carter and I about stories, the main reason that brought us all together today. Red, let's do it. All right, question number one, what is a narrative trope that you love? Like something that happens in stories that you really, really appreciate? Okay. So this is obviously coming from, because I'm a comic book writer, and so this is one that comes up a lot, but when the, like, say, like, the main hero who's like, no, I, I have to hold back, I have to, you know, be the better person, um, and all of that, and then the bad guy does something so bad that literally everybody, including the person who was telling the hero to hold back, is like, nah, man, you just gotta go for it this time, and they just go ham on the bad guy. Right, um, right, when the hero gets a hall pass, so to speak. Right, it's pretty much like when, when the, the hero, hero gets, the... gets a hall pass. There's a great TVTropes.com TV trope. <laughs> Thank you, Carter. I appreciate that. Yeah, pretty much, or like when you get to, when they get to use, this is more on the anime side, but when they get to use the form that's like really unleashed and like has a whole bunch of power, but everybody's like, nah, dog, I mean, I think you just got to pull this one out, like... There's ideals, and then there's that guy who's about to destroy the world, so, like, go ham. Mm-hmm. Like, just this once, I'm gonna go all out. Right, exactly. I'm really I gonna love, go ham. I love that. I, it's so dumb. And, y- you know, you could do all sorts of moral debates. It's like, really, there's no time that's ever okay, but, like, I'm here to watch an anime, or I'm here to read a comic and watch a superhero just beat the snot out of somebody sometimes. And I'm like, yes, now I have no moral qualms because everybody in the story said, nope, you're good. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the, uh, it's like an interpretation of that message that a lot of parents give to their kids. Like, hey, don't go looking for a fight. Always seek to work through your problems with another person. But if you have to fight, if you absolutely have to fight, 
then make it a last resort and make sure you win. And I feel like that's kind of what that trope is representing. Yeah, no, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of what my dad said. My dad said is never go start a fight, but if someone else starts it, you finish it. Mm -hmm. I always appreciated the part in Ender's game where you're supposed to learn a lesson about holding yourself back. But when Ender was like, um, yeah, I, I beat that guy up so badly because I never wanted him to be able to beat up anyone else. And they're like, dude, you you killed him. <laughs> He's like, oh, I did. Yeah, it's like, oops. Well, mission's still accomplished. <laughs> yeah, mission accomplished, I suppose. <laughs> I can guarantee he's not going to do it again. Um, I mean, speaking of, I probably, you know, Ender's Game was a pretty staple in a lot of sort of middle school libraries and classrooms. And, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you know, I definitely read that with, like, just, oh, look, a sci-fi book. And then afterwards, I'm like, hmm, should mm. I have read this at this age? I don't think I'm the same. I don't think I'm the same second grader I was before I read this book. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm supposed to just go off to recess now. Like nothing has changed. Yeah, because there's. I mean, there's terms in there that I didn't know were theoretically bad words because I hadn't heard them anywhere else. So. Mm. <laughs> well, when you're a kid, it's about another kid who's really smart at playing laser tag, and right. that's really the appeal. <laughs> yes. You're not like you're not dismantling the overarching themes of. Uh, of, of species eradication and government upset and turmoil. And child soldiers and, like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Just... The wild thing about Ender's Game for me is that I only read it as a young adult in college for, like, a, a education assignment I was doing. So I just got straight to the themes immediately and didn't have to unpack them as a young adult. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly kind of felt like cheating because I was asking my teenagers to do the same thing, right? And you're like, "Oh, I'm equipped with education. I can, I can peel this apart like an orange and find the the nutritious themes, or maybe not nutritious. They're filled no, with something no. themes in there. Themes can be nutritious. We need to have more classes like Ender's Game, military training, laser tag classes, but but with the topics that we would go on to today, like. Some some upshot, up you know, some some whip smart kid in your in your English class is so good at writing essays that the next day you're like, OK, now write an essay with no paper or computers. <laughs> now and write an like, essay with this gun to your head. <laughs> he's like, how am I going to do it? And you come back in. And he's like written an essay on on all of like the desks. And we put the desks together and look at them in a certain way. It's like the, the premise of Jane Austen's books <laughs> is that. And you're like, whoa, he did it. The dictionary defines Jane Austen as... <laughs> Right. Oh, the dick. Oh, Lord. Jeez. Oh, I bet. How how many of those, of, of your essays, what percentage of just, it starts with the definition of the thing you told them to write an essay on? Answering that question will give me pain, so instead I'm going to transition to the next question, JD. What's your <laughs> least favorite literary trope? Or um, narrative trope, rather. Okay. Um, when the main character is lying about something, and then the whole plot is them just trying not to let the lie be revealed. And then the thing that happens right before the end of the movie plot, whatever is the lie is revealed. Everyone's sad. Everything's ruined, but then he does something <laughs> big and gets everybody back on his side. It's shark tale, but done bajillion times. Just it's, it may have been done well once, but whenever that plot we happens, haven't found it. yeah, whenever that plot happens, I know exactly how the movie's going to end. It's like, oh, you're lying about something. So that means three quarters of the movie in, the lie is going to be revealed, um, whether by your choice or by not your choice. 
then we're going to get a little bit of the movie where you have to deal with the consequences of your actions, and then you're going to fix it. And then depending on whether the movie is for kids or not, is either going to make up everything and like make it up, or it's going to be sad. Thing is, JD, I don't ever recall seeing one where it is sad at the end. I've always seen the character just pull off the Hail Mary and fix it at the end. And if the whole message is supposed to be about honesty and how dishonesty doesn't get you anywhere, then why do we always let him fix it at the end? I know, I know. And it's like, and it's boring the whole time. Oh, yep, here's this lie. Yep, the, the lie we all, the audience knows, but nobody else in the world knows. And that is going to be the driving drama for the next 30 to 40 minutes. You're absolutely right. It is exhausting waiting for the other shoe to drop when you already know that it's being suspended in the air. Mm-hmm. And you're just you like... You can see a lace Ugh. dangling right off screen. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a boom oh, mic the, that's been pushed too far close into the shot. The girl he likes is going to hate him for five minutes, and then he's going to remember something she said to him from the past, and he's going to do some big romantic gesture, and it'll be fine again. Mm-hmm. I know how this is going to go. And to kind of extend it further, like any sort of conflict that is brought about through either through poor communication, I have no patience for that anymore. Like in this one, just tell the truth. But also if the whole problem is caused because someone misunderstood something and they're not going to talk about it, that irritates me so much. Like White Christmas is one of my favorite holiday movies. And the main conflict of that is literally just, hey, someone misunderstood something, and instead of clearing it up, we're just going to be angry and dance around the topic until one of us leaves, and then it just talk. Any conflict that can be resolved by people just talking is not a conflict that I think is good or well-made. Right, especially because there's a lot of conflict that is just caused by people talking without lying. <laughs> like, that's well, what yeah, that good writing is. Exactly. If the conflict is because of their actual character and the way that their characters are interacting shows that they have to grow up some, that's a conflict. You know where this is illustrated so often is like in a zombie movie when when a character reveals to you to you the audience that they've been bitten but they're like lying about it and you're uh. like well that'll like I, I i'm so i'm already sick of the <laughs> of how it's going to go 10 minutes later it's like you don't there's never been a movie where it's like i got bit but i'm all right yeah right. i got bit but- maybe the cure will reveal itself in the next 45 <laughs> minutes get out of here nope you know what actually you know what does this trope better than any zombie media is actually a board game um dead of winter because one of the events that happens is that you find a survivor, but they are bitten. And you, as the, like, people playing the game, get to decide what happens to them. And Ooh. that is an amazing way to start conflict, because then you can see all the different characters. I mean, this time, the players, you know, play off of each other. See, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? Is this right? Isn't it? Um, and that's a lot more interesting than, oh, I just have a bite. Don't Don't look at me. Don't look at me, Don't. Mr. Bite Man. Do not perceive of me. Would you guys like to hear a fairy tale? Yeah. I would love to. So I've, I've picked one out. This is a tale from Russia today. Okay. So this is going to be filled uh, chock full of uh, Russian themes and lessons. And it's Carter, called quick, Mr. Name a Russian theme. Um, wow, my brain did two <laughs> things simultaneously just now. I... One, it flashed back to a class I took called, I think it was it was called Literary Criticism. And there is 
liter a, a liter a literal type of literary criticism called like new Russian criticism, Ooh. which was all about analyzing a work of fiction from from a from a specific perspective. A Russian trying perspective. To, well, but it was it was more specific than that because there were specific themes that you would be looking for within this within this lens within this scope. Uh, it was like it was a narrow scope, and the second thing that happened in my brain is I realized that I don't remember what any of it was. <laughs> uh. So I couldn't tell you what New Russian criticism was, even though I did study it for a few weeks in college. Mm. I mean, hey, you remember it exists, and probably if you Googled it, it you could put together your own little cliff notes. Yeah, that's at least walking <laughs> to the front door. They just got a One knock. Of, I had I had uh, a a book from that class that was essentially a dictionary of all of the types of critical lenses you could view and analyze something through. What? And it's the one book I regret renting and not buying outright because ah. I kind of wish it was still on my shelf and I could pull it down and be like, and let's look at it through this way. But it did everything. <laughs> it was like all of these different things to say like, well, this type of story is this way. Uh, and this this says this about feminism because it doesn't have these characters. Or it says this about the environment because it's doing this, it's it's bringing up this piece here. And you can look at all these different lenses and all these different things. And one of our final assignments was to pick a poem and pick two different types of literary criticism and analyze it through each lens. And that was a really fun assignment, and I, I enjoyed that class quite a bit. I learned a lot. Dang. I didn't re- retain a lot, but I learned a lot. I want that book now, too. Dang. Yeah, I, I want to be in that class now. Go find it. This story is called Mr. Samson Cat. I already... I love him. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> Mr. Samson, comma, S's cat? Like, the cat that belongs to Mr. Samson? Or Mr. Samson Cat? Uh, Mr. Samson Cat. Yes. Like the name of the cat is Mr. Samson Cat. Excellent. Okay, fantastic. By Valerie Carrick. Once upon a time, a cat came running out of a certain village, and a fox came running out of a certain forest, and they met. Oh. How do you do? said the fox. How do you do? said the cat. What's your name? said the fox. Mr. Samson Cat, and what's yours? They call me Widow Fox. Riveting. Let's live together," said the cat. Oh, wow, whoa, coming on whoa, hot. Whoa, whoa, pump those brakes, Mr. Samson. Jag, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, these two critters are meeting like kindergartners meet. That's yeah, agreed. <laughs> do you like, want to be my friend? Yeah, let's be best let's friends be best forever. Friends. <laughs> do, do you want a joint finances account? <laughs> I'm eleven. <laughs> Um, I can't also, so Widow Fox is, is like you are a widowed person, like your spouse has passed away, Oh, is how oh. it's spelled, but it's impossible not to say, like, Widow Fox, like, who's a Widow Fox? Who's a Widow Fox? <laughs> so I'm going to be referring to Widow Fox like that. Honestly, that just makes Samson's move a little more, like, insensitive. Obviously, Widow Fox has got a lot of things that they need to process before they're ready to commit to moving in with one another again. Widow Fox has nothing to process because the next thing Widow Fox says is, very well. Oh, All damn, right. okay. And so they settled down in Widow Fox's cottage. <laughs> I can't unhear it now that you said it. <laughs> One day, Mr. Cat went out for a walk to gather berries in the forest when a hare came running along. He never noticed the cat and jumped right on top of him. Oh, sorry, he jumped right on to the top of him. Huh. Ah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Cat said, and I don't know how to pronounce this. Yeah. 
right onto the top of him. It's it's F dash R dash R dash R. You want to give it a shot? Yeah, no, I got nothing. Yeah. That's better. Mr. You're hired. Mr. Cat said, what was it, Riley? And the hare took fright and set off running so fast that you could just see his heels twinkle. And he was gone. Hmm. See his heels twinkle. You could see his heels twinkle. Hmm. Um, so I'm, what kind of shoes do you think gets twinkling heels? Because like my first, my first instinct is something like those light-up shoes. That's what this oh yeah he, yeah the rabbit's wearing those light up sketchers right that's what I'm thinking like that's how you get some twinkly heels either that or yeah. just some really nice pumps that have like glitter on them yeah one of those bespoke five thousand dollar pumps <laughs> wow hair's hair's making it good out there dang yeah apparently that's a big thing with some students now like their collection they have shoe collections oh yeah got one to one to stock and one to rock. <laughs> I've heard that exact terminology from a student before. <laughs> That's how you know JD's in the know. Do you think that a collection extends to twinkly shoes? Shoes that light up? I I doubt it. I I'd feel hope like so. that... <laughs> you could you could trim the tree with your sick kicks. I feel like if you had a if you're one of these kids with a bespoke shoe collection and you have like the light up sketchers, that's kind of like having an action figure collection and then prominently displayed on a shelf is like a Batman figure that you got from McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Or like one of those little chicken nugget dolls. Here, the crown, the crown jewel (laughs) of my shoe collection right here. As you can see, this is the 2004 Skechers Light Up Collection. You see, this is the first time where they added a secondary color. Before this, it was just yellow. But now it flashes yellow and blue, which was uh, revolutionary for the time. Note the Frankenstein sticker that I put on the heel when I was this many. (laughs) But anytime you want to show it off, you have to inelegantly pick the shoe up and smack it against the wall. (laughs) Oh man! Just I imagine like whoever's got this collection has this tarp, like this full tarp on a wall, and that's just like a pristine black. It's like, would you like to uh, take it for a spin? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Interesting. So okay, the so hair twinkling away. Kicks. Yeah, his his heels. Were, he ran away in his light up kicks and was gone. Then you the better hair, run, baby, run. The hare met a wolf and said to him, As I was running past Widow Fox's cottage, an unheard of beast jumped right on the top of me. He was so big and so dreadful, he was just going to swallow me up alive. Only my legs saved me. So the hare is terrified of this cat and apparently has never seen a cat before. And is massively editorializing the situation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Also, why are you hanging out with a wolf hair? I feel like that's just a, a hazard. Yeah, maybe pay attention to the company you keep instead of commenting on the Widow Fox. You guys are judge, judging this wolf quite a bit, quite harshly. Right out I'm the gate. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that's the same thing that the hair did. This is true. 
I'm why, like, are you, why are you so quick to be upset at JD and I? <laughs> why are you so upset at this hair? Like, hey, Mr. Wolf, maybe he wants to do know it. I must go have a look, said the wolf, which is the only voice that wolves can talk with. It's true. Yeah. Don't! He will eat you up, said the hare. <laughs> Nevertheless, the wolf went off to Widow Fox's cottage. And just then, Widow Fox and Mr. Samson Cat had dragged... Carter, I hear the mustard you're putting on the word widow here. You're not fooling anybody. It's the only, it's the only way to do it. <laughs> With mustard. Whoa. And just then, the Widow Fox and Mr. Samson Cat had dragged a dead sheep into their courtyard and were... What? They were... <laughs> they were hungry. Yeah. They were hard at it behind the fence, gobbling him up. Um... Huh. I would like to rescind my previous comments in defense of the Widow Fox and Mr. <laughs> Samson Cat. Uh, clearly, I did not have the whole story, and, uh, yeah. Um, Riley's yeah. note apologies, um, or notes app apology will be posted on Instagram later. <laughs> yeah. As soon as we build an Instagram page. <laughs> If my presumption about the hair uh, making friends with the fox has offended you or upset you in any way, I deeply apologize for what uh, the offense that I might have caused allegedly to you. You know, this thing is this my this bad. apology is good um, both in the future, in the past, for anything said on this podcast. So, mm-hmm. um, we said it. We're sorry now. Um, <laughs> such a good point. A cancellation. You canceled. Uncanceled. <laughs> we're back at it. Let's go. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I was canceled for a little bit, but then I uncanceled myself. And <laughs> yeah, I, I got better. I uncanceled. Yeah, so I uncanceled. I think it's fine now. Thanks for the help of my good friend JD Boucher, professional uncanceler. I'm back at it again. <laughs> when the widow fox had had enough, she came out at the gate, and there Mr. Wolf came up to her. He could hear how Mr. Cat was going on behind the fence and said, which This cat is messed up, dude. I don't feel safe here. I love this is a village cat. Like the village cat comes out to the forest and they're all like, "Yeah, we're doing forest stuff." And look at this cat. Oh, yeah. dang it. Oh no. <laughs> just just cut that out. Forgot that out, to boys. tell you. That's all right, JD. You're still doing better than Carter. (laughs) That's true. Your track record is better than mine. But JD does make a point. Like, this is a village cat. Therefore, he's probably somewhat domesticated. If either of my cats got into the woods, I I don't think they'd have a pretty good track record. Mr. Samson cat is just going off. He fully embraced the feral lifestyle. Yeah, no, he's, like, showing everybody up. Like, scared. Like, this has been, like, a day. Yeah. (laughs) This cat goes, and uh, one of our cats, uh, Poppy, when half the time that she cries, she makes zero sound whatsoever, but you can tell she's kind of trying. <laughs> it's adorable. The, uh, so the, the wolf says to the fox, who is that there in your courtyard, Widow Fox? That's the mighty Mr. Samson cat. He killed a sheep in a fight, and now he's eating it. You better go away quickly, or else the same thing will happen to you. Why didn't that happen on screen? Why, why, why did that happen when there was a smash cut to the hare and the wolf? <laughs> Meantime, Mr. Cat was working hard at the sheep and crying, Meow! Meow! And Mr. Wolf thought he was saying, Not enough! Not enough! Oh. Hmm? I, I guess 
Wolf, he only took one year of cat in high school, so <laughs> he he doesn't have a, a really good, solid base of the language, honestly. Yeah, he doesn't have a grasp on the O's, Os, Ah, Amos's, and Ons. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, correct. What you said. <laughs> and that's one of the only things I retained from my own Spanish class, so maybe I'd be the same as Mr. Wolf. <laughs> I can read Spanish pretty well. I cannot speak it for anything. Mr. Wolf doesn't remember how to conjugate the purring. <laughs> uh, the wolf thinks to himself, good gracious, he hasn't had enough after eating a sheep. And he grew frightened and ran away. And as he was running, he saw a pig rubbing his side against a tree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's it right there. And hey, he said what are you him, looking at? I'm running here. <laughs> I'm rubbing. <laughs> Go away. Man, the for- force has changed. Used to be you could rub where you please and no one would give you flack for it. This is insane. <laughs> get out of here, you idiot! Another the kid's gonna get you! And the pig should have said, Ah, a wolf! Oh, God! <laughs> Maybe this is like a Zootopia forest. Everything's oh. going fine, but this cat is throwing off the delicate ecosystem by mm. eating sheep oh my gosh. and shouting, Fur! <laughs> You remember when... Zootopia had uh, Zootopia has like the most one for one reference to Breaking Bad like you could possibly make. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is such a bizarre choice by Disney to to do like a pop culture zeitgeist reference that is going to age so poorly. I mean, there was uh, a uh, Heisenberg pony in My Little Pony, <laughs> <laughs> and it did have a blue. <clears throat> crystal cutie bark jesus wow so i mean breaking bad really got into everybody's brains apparently i really did i didn't know that the creator was the guy who made x files and once i found that out i was like oh this this makes so much sense for a while there there were some memes that were just like pictures of heisenberg reacting to things just like staring to the camera going ah it's it's okay I guess that's all we need to do to have memes now. You wonder when that will happen again, because I feel like it hasn't happened since Breaking Bad. There was a year and a half of video games where every single video game that came out had a hatch from Lost. Like, the hatch in the ground from Lost was just in every game. Like, you'd just turn a corner and be like, ah, it's the hatch from Lost. Clever. Uh, It's like in the show. Well, I think what it comes down to is these artists who are working on these games is what series are they binging on their second screen while they're working <laughs> on the, the fifth gun texture yeah, of the day. That's so true. I wonder what it'll be next, though. I mean, Game of Thrones, there wasn't a lot of Game of Thronesian references, and that show was probably the biggest after Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. yeah. Could we say that? And what is these days? Stranger Things, but like only oh, when the new true. season's it- out, and then after that, it just... You know, nobody talks about it because there's no weekly episodes. I think Stranger Things is too compartmentalized to, like, the month or three after it releases. Yeah. I, that's, I, I keep thinking that show, like that shows being in the zeitgeist is getting more and more com- uh, compartmentalized. But then there's always one that comes along, along that's like, now everybody's doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. My kid's like called she- Khaleesi. <laughs> <laughs> my kid's called the night king <laughs> this is little the mountain that rides <laughs> now you have a good day at preschool little the stallion that mounts the world 
gonna get better. I mean, you that. got high hopes. High hopes for that kid. <laughs> yeah. And then that kid does terrible on his first star test, and then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> you should be more like your brother, Riku. <laughs> <laughs> An incredible household. <laughs> the stallion that mounts the world and Riku. <laughs> the full gambit of media consumption. I only brought that one up because I, as I know some other friends who are teachers, and um, Sora and Riku do keep popping up. Dang. Two years ago, the Twilight Generation finally uh, made landfall in my class, and I had eight Isabellas, and none of them went by Isabella. <laughs> they went by Issa or Belle. Um, one of them went by an entirely different name, and you know what? Props to them. She went by Edward. <laughs> the wolf says to the pig... <laughs> Have you heard the news? <laughs> we shan't be able to make a living in this forest anymore. Widow Fox has got a dreadful animal living with her. The mighty Mr. Samson Cat. He eats four sheep a day and then says he hasn't had enough. I'm already beginning to, I feel like, decipher the theme of this story. Yeah. Yeah. Although the cat and the fox did go ahead and kill a sheep and did eat it. Yeah, yeah, that's one that's going to be hard to uh, divorce from the overall theme, I think. Well, we and didn't Mr. see that. We didn't see him get the sheep. He could have yeah. just yeah. found it. Oh, this yeah, is true. maybe they just found it. And he was like, waste not. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mr. Samson Cat is a frugal guy. He's, yeah, he's he's uh, he's eco-friendly. He's a fur oogle guy. <laughs> Mr. Pig flapped night, his ears everybody. and <laughs> winked his eye and said... I should like to... What's a better... I need a better pig voice. I can't think of one. I should like to have a look at this beast. Amazing. Thank you. What are you thinking of? Said Mr. Wolf. You'd better not go near the place. And while they were standing and talking, a bear came up, and Mr. Oh. Pig said to him... Oh, no. What's going on in this forest? Uncle Bruin, have you heard the news? Widow Fox has a beast living with her called the mighty Mr. Samson Cat. He eats ten oxen a day and then ah. says he hasn't had enough. Now, hold on. That's not what I said. <laughs> the wolf is standing right there like... You like, might as well have said it. It's like, yep, ten oxen, yep. Yep, 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 yep. I yep, mean, the wolf's yep, not going to correct yep, him because yep, yep, it sounds like, what is it? This is... The bear is friends with this pig. And, like, you know, if I'm a wolf, I'm not going to go correcting Mr. Pig in front of the bear. That's a great point. Yeah, true, true. I'd be like, yeah, whatever Mr. Pig said. Yeah, no, he's your, <laughs> he's your bud. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he's right. Ten oxen. Yeah. Twelve, I heard. He's your he's your friend, not mine. I heard 15, <laughs> 18 oxen. Mm-hmm. I heard he ate a bunch of sushi and didn't leave a tip. Oh, no, that's... Oof. <laughs> we said a beast, not a monster. <laughs> what a terrible thing, said Bruin. I should like to see that beast. So they discussed this way and that and sent Mr. Pig to Widow Fox to ask if they might just, with one eye, have a peep at Mr. Samson Cat. And Mr. Pig came to Widow Fox and said, How do you do? How do you do, Widow Fox? We heard tell of your Mr. Samson Cat, and we should so like to have a look at him. 
do please tell us how this could be arranged without the danger of his eating us up. What an invasive <laughs> thing to say Super to your neighbor. Thing to say. Hey, I heard you have someone living with you. I want to see them. I'd also <laughs> like to see them in a way that doesn't cause me physical harm because I've heard that may be a danger. I want to see them in the most discreet way possible, if you please. Do you think this is a story about how zoos were invented? <laughs> That's how it's going to end? Maybe. <laughs> and Widow Fox thought for a bit and then said, This is how you must arrange it. Bake a lot of pies and get a lot of honey. Then invite us to come and see you. Perhaps he won't harm you then. Perhaps. You probably... Maybe. No guarantees, I mean, no, though. No promises. I've never actually seen him eat a pie before. Seems like a safe bet. I mean, as long as it's a lot of pies. Yeah. I cannot stress this enough. However many pies you think you need to make, make at least ten more of them. I'm so hungry now, all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, there's like a quarter of a pie on the kitchen counter right now. And this may be... This may you be just because left it out the... where the cast can get it? Well, it's in a box. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, JD, you were saying... I was going to say, this may be because I've only listened to two of your episodes before this, which was Good Brand and Teeny Tiny, but, you know, I'm getting some Good Brand vibes from this, or Camerway's name. You uh, are? Well, yeah, what if this is a grift? What if this is a grift with the cat and the... Oh. Yeah, what if they're they're setting it up and be like, oh, look at this monster. Yeah. Um, but this may just be a boss baby situation where I'm getting real boss baby vibes from this also. Widow, there is a... <laughs> Widow Fox is like... I, will, I, I don't know what bear tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> sure like to. There is a well-documented, you know, ongoing trend of griffs happening in the fairy tale universe, so JD might be onto something. There's I don't a... know what he was talking about with Boss Baby, but that's oh, the sorry, first there's, one. <laughs> there is a viral tweet that is um, it's about man whose only other movie is seen as Boss Baby watches his second movie. Huh. <laughs> Getting a lot of Boss Babies vibes from this. <laughs> Incredible. And, uh, okay, so get us a lot of pies. And Mr. Pig was delighted and ran back to his friends and told Mr. Wolf and Mr. Bruin, Widow Fox says, bake a lot of pies and get a lot of honey, and we will come and see you, and perhaps the mighty Mr. Samson Cat won't eat us all up. And the wolf is like, you invited him to my house? Wolf's like, this is I good told news. You, I told you I saw him eating a sheep, 50 of them. Where are you we going to learn? to my burrow. Where are we going to learn to bake pies? I'm ruined. What's a pie? I don't have an oven. <laughs> what are you talking about? Bear's like, I know what honey is. I can That I understand. But what is a pie? <laughs> also, what's a honey pie? <laughs> Like, is it is it just a pie crust just filled with honey? I feel like that'd be kind of intense. <laughs> Mr. Fox is like, Widow Fox is like, that's what I call Mr. Samson Cat. Aww. Aww. And so Bruin, the bear, began to get the honey. Hey, that makes sense. Mr. Wolf yeah. began to bake the pies. That makes less oh, sense. Mm, yeah. Uh, what Show do you your work. So the bear's get, getting the honey and the wolf's getting the pies. What do you think Mr. Pig is doing? Because remember, there's three people in this uh, ordeal. Uh, I'm guessing he's setting the table. Maybe he's the one that's hosting the event. Yep, you're pretty much right. Mr. Pig began to tidy up and get ready to receive the expected guests. There we go. I, I know how party planning works. <laughs> 
and they baked a lot of pies, which is in italics, and got a lot of honey. And Bruin also said... Also in italics? Yep. I, Bruin said, I shall get up into a tree, and from there I shall see better when the guests begin to arrive. <laughs> which is a awesomely awesome way to be a total coward. <laughs> and ensure that the pig and the fox are eaten up. Yeah, this was your idea, dude. You're the you're and you're a bear. Yeah, I mean, buddy, like you got some bear self-esteem issues here. It is just a cat. Yeah. But this cat can eat 25 oxen. Yeah, but I would say that being a bear and being able to believe in your ability to overcome great physical obstacles is kind of a bear necessity. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we may Thanks for listening to the Fable Fellas, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking um, we we may may have to call um, uh, labor union for how much um, laboring you went in to make that pun work. <laughs> <sighs> Mr. Wolf said, "For a whole day, I've been working at those pies. I shall go and rest for a bit under this log." Oh dear! And he crawled under the log and laid down there. And Mr. Pig said, I have got hot all over, making everything tidy. I shall go and get into the shade for a bit. And he went and hid in the brushwood. Okay. Meanwhile, Widow Fox and the mighty Mr. Samson Cat. Now the author is calling. <laughs> the, yeah. The mighty Mr. Samson Cat. We're the all author's getting along lost here. in his own sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Came along and their hosts were not there. Bruin was up an oak. Mr. Wolf under a log, and Mr. Pig in the brushwood. So there was nothing to be done but start eating without their hosts. And Widow Fox... Well, no, that's rude. That's true. There could wait. There was a second option. What type of food, or better yet, what type of pie could you show up like, hey, come on over, uh, Riley, JD, we're going to have some pie. You come over, door's unlocked, there's pies on the table, I'm nowhere in sight. What, what... What would be enough to tempt you to immediately start eating this pie? I mean, uh, there would have to be a Carter, sign. I like, I, I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. JD's right. There has to be a sign on the table. I'm in the bathroom. I accidentally looked at a carton of milk. Myself. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to say the carton of milk part, but yeah, like if there's a sign that says "dig in," I'll be back in a few minutes. Sure. And, like, maybe if I'm there for, like, if I'm waiting, and it's, like, 15 minutes, and that pie is starting to get cold, I might be like, hmm. Mm, I don't know. I still think I'd figure it might be a trap. That's I true. I was going to say, to me, a Car- sign Carter feels, loves trapping me. Signs feel even more so this is a trap. Like, this That's, is a test. Right. Oh, right, right, just right, a naked Cause, pie. Because, like, whenever Wiley e. Coyote sets out a sign, it's always, like, free... Bird seed this way, yeah. Free, bir- yeah, free bird seed. Right. Roadrunner's like, better wait for Wiley e. Coyote to show up. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be rude. Maybe he wants to share this bird seed with me. But they're not. The, they're not. They're not. They're not so kind. So they start eating without their hosts. And Widow Fox went for the honey, while Mister Cat got to work on the stuffed pies. Suddenly, Mister Cat heard something rustling in the grass, and this was Mister Pig's tail rustling from fright. Mr. Cat thought, I expect that's a mouse, and dashed off Uh-oh. and caught Mr. Pig by the tail. Mr. Pig squealed and ran off as hard as he could and ran his snout straight into the stump of a tree. 
Mr. Cat was really just as much frightened himself and jumped on the tr- onto the tree. At oh, this, no. Bruin's paws grew weak from fright, and he fell plump down from the tree right onto the top of the log under which Mr. Wolf was lying. And Mr. Wolf thought, my end has come. (laughs) (laughs) And he jumped from under the log and started off running as hard as he could. And it was not till evening that Mr. Wolf, Mr. Pig, and Bruin met again and told each other of their experiences. Now, let me ask you both a question real quick. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you truly thought my end has come? Not like my end as a being, but I think there are certain like days at work, perhaps. I was like, well, this is it. Yep. <laughs> Time to start putting out those apps because, oh, man, I really borked this one up. Yeah, that's not the one I'm talking about, J.D. I mean, a moment where you thought, oh, is this it? Is this the final curtain? Because <laughs> uh... my answer to that is no, but oftentimes I feel like I learn a lot about my friends by asking that question. My anxiety has tried me to make me think that this is the case. Yeah. I'm really trying to dig deep here and and think, have I really ever thought, like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. I can see the end credits. Like, this is it. And I don't don't think I, I, I too, have experienced this happening. We're very lucky in that regard. I, I guess we are. I think there's times where afterwards I looked back at a situation and I was like, I maybe should have had that thought in the moment, but didn't. Well, well, since you have the closest thing to the answer, JD, would you like to share one? Sure. I mean, when I was like little, I was at a daycare. They had a massive um, play structure. Like it was actually taller than their house. Whoa. And Whoa. like there's pretty much what happened is there was a slide and I was about to go down the slide. Um, but it's, and it's like the slide went from the top of the structure to the ground. Um, but then I was pushed by someone behind me. Um, and I did not go on the slide. I, in fact, fell next to it. And I pretty much falling down was just like, oh, I'm falling now. And then I landed like on my nose. Luckily, didn't broke it, didn't break it, all that stuff. Um, but then I definitely thought afterwards, it's like, huh, that could have been really bad. You said the structure was taller than their house? Yeah, it was like a... Well, the thing is, it was a one-story house and, like, a two-story play structure. Like, the play structure had, like, three distinct levels on it. And the top one had a big old slide that went down. Like, it was really well put together. Like, it was... It wasn't like... Like, so much fun. It was so much fun. Right, yeah. Like, if you're a daycare and you have that, like, the kids are going to be covered for at least a third of the day. Don't even have to worry about them. Unless the whole pushing off and landing on your nose thing situation happens, which... Unless little James Dinosaur Boucher dies in the most bougie suburban way possible. Right. <laughs> okay. So he was done. He was, he was, <laughs> he's feared for his life. The wolf. Yeah, my end has come and he jumped from under the log and started off running as hard as he could. Oh yeah, and then they, they found each other later. Yeah, to regroup. Mr. Pig said, well, I never. The way he caught hold of my tail and dashed my head against the stump. And Bruin said, the stump was nothing. He tore out the whole oak tree by the roots and began to shake it. How could I possibly hold on? I was lucky not to fall into his jaws. And Mr. Wolf said, and the way he put one on me with that oak tree, well, that that is a beast if you like. And they all began to shake their heads and say, well, that is a beast if you like. There's no mistake about Mr. Samson Cat. The end. Oh. All right. <laughs> oh. 
is there like a little moral or anything afterwards or is that is that just it no no jd that's our job to (laughs) so um so if you didn't gather from the two episodes you listened to we always end up by talking about the themes or morals talking about how well written it was and whether it deserves to be more than just a first draft in the fairy tale lineup fair okay man people just looking for something to be scared of i guess yeah or maybe looking at how people in general always try to look for the like the most negative answer or are not content to, like they don't actually put in the work to learn the truth about something and they just kind of go off of first impressions maybe well also you know if you mess up if you do something that makes you look bad it's a lot better to, to for you you personally and your your brain being like Oh, no, no. You see, it wasn't a cat. You see, that was actually a ferocious beast. It wasn't just because I... My paws didn't get tired and fell off the, the tree. Nah, man. That was that was a ferocious beast who literally lifted up me and the tree and shook me out. For sure. For sure, yeah. Carter, what Are do you, you think? There? Yeah. Uh, I I was letting you all take the reins on that and wasn't listening because I was Googling Russian formalist criticism. <laughs> Carter! <laughs> Uh, which turns out to not be all that helpful because the distinctive idea of Russian formalism is uh, to really go ham on the functional role of literary devices and the structure of prose and 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 form of a poem or of a of a work of fiction. So it's like, I don't, basically, it's like I don't really care what that poem is about. How about that iambic pentameter, though? Right. <laughs> that was some good stuff. I love the way that it was all about that. Okay, if we do want to talk about that, I do notice at the beginning it said a certain village and a certain forest. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean certain? <laughs> like, was it certain as in, like, specific as opposed to all the other villages and forests? Or was it certain as in this forest and, like, village were really sure of themselves and, like, you know, knew what they were about? It's specific. Speci- <laughs> it's specifically... They say certain because only this forest and this village had a cat come to and from it. Okay, there we go. I like the certainty argument, though, that this forest is full of very certain animals who are like, because that is what we see. We see a lot of hard-headed creatures of the forest jumping to insane conclusions and never doubting one another at all about anything. You know, that's true. They don't have any critical thought and they're not reassessing things after getting new information. So they are certain creatures. Certain creatures in a certain forest. <laughs> now, that being said, yes, they need to be a little more thoughtful about what they're experiencing. But the fact that they let in with a cat killing a whole sheep and devouring it in its backyard maybe did set them up for some, you know, expectations about what creature just moved into the neighborhood. Okay, I'm still holding by my cat did not kill the sheep theory because we did not see, we just saw them eating on a sheep. Right, allegedly. Yeah. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's absolutely, it, it has, it has come around to throw a wrench in the works here because I'm thinking about, you know, closing the book. And saying, you know, now little Dimitri, we should learn from the tale of Mr. Samson Cat that that we don't want to jump to conclusions about the ferociousness of the dangers out there. And the and then and then he's like, but but the cat did kill that sheep though. <laughs> and you're like, I get go it. to bed. That is true. <laughs> Hush now. 
Don't ask questions. Hush, listen to me, Tree. Maybe this. Maybe it's about. Maybe it's about how rumors get started. Ah, here we are. Mm, maybe. Maybe this is a real um, Veggie Tales rumor weed situation going on. What's up with yeah, yeah? And if that's the case, what's up with the backbone of the wolf again? Going like, I did. This guy have this guy can kill two sheep, and then the pigs like six oxen. Got it. <laughs> and the wolf's like, yeah, nah, that's that seems right. Yeah, no notes. Maybe the creatures of the forest can kind of talk to one another. Like, you know. <laughs> oh right, none of them speak like none of them speak common. They all speak pig or wolf or bear and they all kind of understand it they all remember that one class of bear and pig and wolf that they took in high school so they can read it really well but they can't speak it super fluently hey wait we're okay where did we start off this podcast talking about how miscommunications and stories can't lead to good good storytelling and yet here we are oh my gosh we did truly we've come around that's incredible circle. <laughs> Because that seems to be the issue here. Yeah, miscommunications, <laughs> it's true. Dang, amazing. And now talking about how well-written the story was, the fact that the opening was literally, hello, hello, I'm Cat, I'm Fox, let's live together. Something, something stronger could have taken that place, I think. How come you've got Mr. Pig and Mr. Wolf, who are a pig and a wolf, and then you've got a cat called Samson and a bear called Bruin. Yeah, they get names. They get yeah. names. And a fox who, as far as I can tell, is legitimately a widow. Yeah. She's lonely. It might have been easier just to go in media res and be like, Widow Fox um, has started living together with new friend, Samson Cat. Yeah. Instead of just being like, you know, that, I guess, when Harry meets Sally moment. I haven't seen that movie. I don't know. <laughs> like... A real Notting Hill moment. But yeah, like, why talk about the cat leaving the village if the village never features into it? And never... And also, they spent... This story is called Mr. Samson Cat, and yet we know practically nothing about this cat. The focus was way more on everyone else that lived in the forest. I'm rereading the introductory part of this story, and and I'm remembering now that it says... uh... The fox says, what's your name? And the cat says, my name is Mr. Samson Cat. What's yours? And the fox says, they call me Widow Fox. Oh, so that may not be the fox's <laughs> name. No, yeah. The, like Everybody calls me Widow Fox. I wish they wouldn't. Yeah. My name is actually Tiffany. Allison. <laughs> Allison <laughs> Tiffany Fox. Allison T- the A.T. Fox. Can you imagine... Um, can you imagine moving in with, like, a widow, like... And, like, let's say, in the, in the same way that I imagine these two moved into one another, or, like, moved in with one another, and going, like, yep, that's Widow Alice and Tiffany. I live with them. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you live with? Oh, you know Widow Allison? Yeah, I do notice in a lot of sort of old-timey stuff, they'll just be, oh, yes, that's the Widow X. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that must be a real bummer that, like, your main defining trait in, like, the common society you live in is like, well, your spouse died, so now you're the oh, widow. Oh, JD. JD, you have no idea. Almost every woman in this story is either a widow or a wife. Oh, buddy. Oof. Or princess or a young like young girl. Once you're old enough to be yeah. one of the other three, you immediately become one of the other three. <laughs> Dang. It's one of our greatest critiques of fairy tales in general. 
Honestly, I wish this one would come back into the public eye because I feel like a lot of people have snap judgments these days and don't try to think critically about the world around them. So a little uh, a little message to the younger generation to make sure they don't fall into those same traps could definitely be helpful. I also see this story manifesting a lot. Like in, in every children's cartoon, there's always like an episode just like this. Like they tell the Mr. Samson cat tale in their own way. Yeah. Of some, some little thing getting way, blown way out of proportion. I'm sure Winnie the Pooh has had many an episode just like this too. This, I feel like I've, I feel like I had a VHS of that episode because they had a Halloween yeah, episode right? and they imagined a monster was real and it wasn't real because yeah. they all went out and individually got freaked out by different coincidences and they're like, well, there's aliens here definitely coming to get us. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that episode of Theodore the Tugboat where he's afraid of a haunted houseboat but it turns out to be a regular houseboat. <laughs> That's a cool story. <laughs> is is this? I guess if you were to bring this into the modern day, <laughs> why did everyone get so quiet when I was talking about Theodore the tugboat? I don't know. I'm just waiting for any <laughs> more additional details. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been sandbagged so hard in my entire life. I just I just didn't know how to respond because a I didn't I mean, know that you I'd... sandbagged yourself. You... <laughs> You get, what, what were we supposed to say? And then what? And then what happened? Oh yes, let me pull up my deep knowledge of the tugboat lore to just really, really seize this one up. Uh, were there any other tugboats to talk him out of his crazy fantasies? Like, is there? Okay, I guess are houseboats like a normal thing, or is he just so weirded out that there was a tugboat that was also a house? He assumed it was haunted. Wait, can a house be a tugboat? A houseboat also be a tugboat? Maybe, maybe I need to remember more about this TV show I watched when I was a little kid that no one else knew about because it's like one of those Canadian crossovers. Oh, right, where they show at weird hours for some reason yeah. because they need to fill a schedule. Yeah. Oh, Theodore, he's a tugboat and a friendly tugboat, too. <laughs> yeah, you see, I had JJ the jet plane, and that show was terrifying. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I mean, when a kid, I didn't really, like, acknowledge how, like, disgusting all of those planes looked. But when you look at it now, you're like, <laughs> that's just a human face, like, sort of <laughs> welded onto a plane. As opposed to, you know, like, Thomas the Tank Engine, it looks like a it looks like a train face. Like, it looks like that could be a face a train has. As opposed to, like, a human child's face being, like, spiritually welded onto a plane. <laughs> spiritually welded is such a challenging statement jd did jj the jet plane ever encounter a dirigible that he thought was a haunted dirigible but it turned out to just be a dirigible i swear to god carter <laughs> okay i'm gonna google it i'm gonna find out what was what's a snippet of the jj the jet plane theme song <laughs> i do not remember that but i'm pretty sure it was super annoying i'm just googling jj the jet play haunted I'm just looking up theodore the tugboat to see if there's like a playlist of all the episodes on YouTube. Oh, I, that's what the rest of my day is going to be about. I guess JJ the Jet Plane is also completely on YouTube. Um, there's one that's JJ's Bad Dream, but I don't see anything about a haunted one. Somebody did make a uh, horror remix of the theme song. Guys, Theodore Tugboat, Theodore and the Haunted Houseboat is on YouTube. 13 minutes and 51 seconds. I know what I'm doing <laughs> after the episode. Is there a plot synopsis on the Wikipedia's list of... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, that's all right. You gave us a, a plenty, plenty good synopsis yourself. JD, are you reading any books? Yes, I am. Let's see. I'm in the middle of two, 
And so one I'm reading is I'm finally getting into Terry Pratchett. Um, I'm reading Ooh. Mort, which is the first one who features death. And it's delightful. It is just a nice fantasy series with like steady stakes, um, a kind of loser stable boy who ends up being pretty much at the big apprentice day where all of the villagers are supposed to be picked as apprentice. He gets not chosen by anybody except for death himself. And death's like, you're going to come work for me now. And this guy's like dad and dad's like, I mean, nobody else picked you. So good luck, son. Um, <laughs> and that's how it starts. And it just kind of keeps going from there. It's a lot of fun. I've also been reading the sequel to Gideon the Ninth, Harrow the Ninth, which is amazing. And the auth, the book is gaslighting me. I know because, well, it's pretty much said that something in the first book that happened didn't happen. Um, and you have to just deal with that as a reader, as well as the main character who's also dealing with being gaslit by the universe, the author. I don't know. But um, it makes for a f equally parts frustrating but completely compelling read. Oh, interesting. So are they doing it on purpose or was it a huge mistake that they, the author made? Oh, no, it's on purpose. Oh. But you don't know that as the reader going in until you start to like it's pretty much there is a hand of cards that the author has and they've let me look at half of one currently. And I'm just like, let me look at your hand of cards. It's like, no, I'm not revealing my mm. hand yet. I'm like, why? I see. So there's that always yeah. strikes me as a challenging thing to do to intentionally be an unreliable narrator for a while. Yeah. There there's a book for all you uh, Russian formalist critics out there who really admire the structure of that 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 little cherry. And then the other one was I just read, if you like 90s, actually, honestly, if you like 80s and 70s Ghost Rider and Wolverine comics, they just did a Ghost Rider Wolverine crossover, and about half of it took place in Marvel comics of the 70s and 80s, and honestly, it was a delight. It was nice to see that era again brought into the future with the modern stuff going on. And that was what I've been reading. Fantastic. Can you give us a little bit of uh like the crazy the crazy plot of what what the hijinks that Wolverine and Ghost Rider get up to? Yes, I can. Pretty much the thing is Ghost Rider didn't get super popular till the 90s. The 90s Ghost Rider met up with the X-Men a bunch of times. But the 70s Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, never actually did. And so this comic is like actually you know, 70s, 80s, Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider did meet with the X-Men and Wolverine once, and they're actually really cool because they have a lot in common. And I was like, oh, so you could just retcon that to be a thing? I was like, yeah, I, I just did. And I was like, oh, well, cool. <laughs> um, but pretty much the government is using um, demons to hunt mutants. And so Wolverine's like, yo, bro, I need your help. Um, and Johnny Blaze is like, you know, I'm a generally progressive guy. I don't dislike mutants. So, yeah, let's stop this demon. That, that's right. what counts as generally progressive. I don't dislike <laughs> this group. Well, it's not that he, like, actively dislikes or even has a distaste for. It's just, you know, he's kind of been dealing with his own fighting the devil and demons and going across the road. Like, he just kind of forgets that, like, culture keeps moving on. He's like, oh, mutants, I guess that is a thing. Yeah, no, I guess I'll help. Whatever. <laughs> Every time he decides to pay attention. Yes, that's pretty much. A, a new civil rights progression has happened. Yeah, because, I in mean. The, in, the civil, in, in the 70s, that's what counted as uh, as, as progressive. They were like, well, you know, the, them mutants never did any harm to me, so as long as, uh, as, long as they don't try to teach about it in schools, I'm all right with them. <laughs> 
Well, the thing is, Johnny Blaze never went to school. He was a carny, so I don't think he really has that advanced opinions on anything. Do you think your life would be much different if you were called Johnny Blaze instead of JD? <laughs> I, guess, I guess so. I have the same initials. That's true. Except for wow, his, that's really true. I, I don't know his middle name though. Um, I don't think they ever said Johnny Blaze's middle name, so maybe I'll just be a jerk if I write him one day and be like, he has my middle name now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you so, could get the creator of uh, the creator to tell you his middle name over the uh, platform formerly known as Twitter, like you got like you got that creator to uh, say what Deadpool's orientation was on the stage. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, that was a Deadpool's creator. It was just one of the writers. Oh, uh, okay. But yeah, that ended up becoming a whole thing. <laughs> Once I saw Ryan Reynolds in an interview saying, yeah, no, we think it's really important that we want to like show this part of Deadpool in the movies. I was like, oh, so that was a tweet that went 10,000 miles then, huh? <laughs> yeah. Wait, tell us, tell us, tell the story really quick. Okay. Even though we're, we've been recording forever. I know this is going to be a long episode. Sorry, y'all. Um, it's a very special episode with our very special guest. Yeah, well, thank exactly. You. And this is a cool, influential thing you did. Yeah. So pretty much is I was just on Tumblr as was the as was the fashion in early <laughs> early 2010s. Um, that was the style at the time. Yeah. And so there was this blog talking about this this newest issue of Deadpool, this Deadpool annual talking about how it really leaned into these themes in his earlier comics of Deadpool being pansexual. And I was like, oh, neat. Okay. Um, th- that sounds interesting, but I don't I don't know if they intended that or not. Luckily, all the creators are on Twitter, so I just asked one. It's like, hey, is this what you meant? And then the writer was like, I mean, I kind of write him this. I didn't actually write that book, but I kind of write him this way in my comics. I was like, oh, neat cool and then i just went back to that blog on tumblr and i was like oh hey he said this i just sent it as a little message um and then that blog freaked the heck out and they were like oh my god you got it confirmed as canon and i was like i did what and it's like you're pretty much a saint to the deadpool fandom and i'm like i'm a what (laughs) then it trended virally and that that one comment on that tumblr blog got like ten thousand notes and then it was all over Twitter, and I'm pretty sure I got the writer in trouble with Marvel because they didn't mention it again for a few years. Um, <laughs> my bad. They still kind of like acknowledged it in the comics, but there was no like uh, outward sort of acknowledgement other than like a rainbow Deadpool pop that came out later. And then the interview with Ryan Reynolds where he was like, nah, it's canon. We're going to put it in the movie in Deadpool 2. And I was like, what? So yeah, that was my... my um, by just sending a couple messages on Tumblr and Twitter, how I accidentally confirmed a major um, piece of intellectual property as pansexual for a large audience. JD, you really are the most interesting person I've ever met. Oh, well, thank you, Riley. It's such an incredible story. Like, it, it, Ryan Reynolds would, like, I, I feel like would have, ne- you know, the odds are so so good that he would never have mentioned that, brought it up at all, had that had you not gone on that journey (laughs) and i think i just think that's awesome well i mean deadpool did call out to ryan reynolds from the comics to play him (laughs) did you know that that makes sense yeah yeah i believe that. well pretty much one of ryan reynolds friends gave him a pile of deadpool comics before wolverine origins and was like hey take a look at this i think this character is really cool i think you do a really good job playing him and the first time he opens the comic, it's one of Gail Simone's comics, and it's Deadpool pointing at his face, like, all messed up, being like, you know, I look like Ryan Reynolds messed with a Sharpay. <laughs> and that was the first thing. And so literally from beyond the fictional 
dimension, Dead from across the fourth wall. Yeah, from the across the fourth wall, Deadpool called out to Ryan Reynolds to play him in a movie. Use me, Ryan. Wow. And from that day forward, Ryan Reynolds was like, not only am I going to play Deadpool, but I'm going to continue to play Deadpool in every other major role I take. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I'll be Deadpool in a suit. Sometimes I'll be Deadpool in a leather jacket, but I will always be a little bit of Deadpool. I mean, it worked. It does. It's a, it's it's working for him. Sometimes I'll be I'll be my Deadpool character in my Mint Mobile commercials. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be Deadpool in the Adam Project <laughs> or in Red Notice. Those are definitely uh, real movies you didn't make up. Or that Christmas movie with Will Ferrell. <laughs> he has a cadence to his voice is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Play us out, Riley. So, JD, as our special guest today, what kind of projects are you working on? What kind of plugs you got so that people can find you and the good work you do oh, yeah. you outside actually, the podcast? You're a productive member of the Artistic Society. I try to. It's hard, but I, I there is an effort being made. Um, generally, um, if you go to my website, skeletoncreative.com, I try and update that with the stuff I've got working on. There's a webcomic um, we're hoping to launch this year called Moonlighters, which is a revamp of an old thing. We're very excited. Um, we don't know when it will be launching, but if you go to moonlinerscomic.com, you can sign up for the email list. It is about four broke college-age werewolves who do odd jobs to pay the rent. Fascinating. Brilliant. And I also Brilliant want to... Uh, yep, and there's also and a corgi. Fantastic. <laughs> JD, I also know that you're working on a superhero project called Shuffle, in which the main character has no control over their powers, and they align with music that plays on a shuffling music device on their suit. That's correct, right? Yes, that is. It is currently, it is just under production, and we're just waiting for next steps before we can move on. But yeah, that is my other big project. I'm very excited to finally get my hands on that oh, one. thank you. All right, well, thanks for joining us here today, folks. If you like that, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are available. Before we leave you today, I do want to uh, quickly recap my friends and say that I did look up the plot synopsis for that episode of Theodore the Tugboat, (laughs) and it is bizarrely similar to the same thematics we talked about. It's on a thundery night. uh, Theodore sees a houseboat with, like, as there's like thunder clapping in the distance and lightning flashing in the distance. And he doesn't think that it has a head because in this universe, all tugboats and boats and everything have a head. And he's terror. And he's terrified the entire night running around trying to make sure he doesn't get got by the haunted houseboat. But then it turns out that, uh, what he saw was Bobby barge, a large barge boat that has a head kind of off to the side. So it appeared to be a headless boat, but he's very friendly. And then they get along just fine after he realizes his mistake. So, again, it's about uh, making sure that you're not acting off of a small bit of data and not letting your preconceived notions lead you. So is it wasn't even a houseboat? It was a barge? Yeah. Huh. I, huh. I think they just liked the idea of a haunted houseboat, which, well, if you think about nicely. it, is pretty fun. Okay, question. In this tugboat world, they did... Like, humans are a thing, right? Uh... There is a guy in, like, this weird office that talks at the beginning of every episode of Theodore the Tugboat, but I don't think I ever saw humans interact with them. Okay, because, yeah, that's the thing. is like, something that would be terrifying if you lived in a boat world is if there was a houseboat, but nothing to live in it. (laughs) Whoa. You wouldn't have any idea what was going on. No. 
It's like the but maybe it's like the cars world where the cows are cars and the bugs are cars. <laughs> <laughs> the cars are cars. You ever think about how the existence of that one Sarge Jeep in Radiator Springs implies that there was a World War II in the Cars universe? Well, I mean, the other thing, well, is that they have airport security, including, like, taking off tires, which implies that there was, um, Car 911. <laughs> well, anyway. I hope all you Russian Formulas critics out there appreciate that the format of our podcast was a lot longer than before. <laughs> Anyway, I'm Riley. I'm Carter. Thanks, JD. Thank you for having me. And this has been The Fable, fellas. Keep it fitty, everybody.